When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Blakey's Boot Room, the number one Cardiff City podcast. Brought to you by Wales Online. Hello and welcome to another episode of Blakey's Boot Room here, podcast from Wales Online. Dominic Booth joined again by Nathan Blake and Paul Abandonato, who returns to the podcast. Welcome to you both. Good afternoon. Hello, everyone. Nice to be back on a Wednesday afternoon after a memorable Tuesday night at Cardiff City Stadium. Nathan Blake has not stopped smiling. (laughs) Um, Let's get straight into 3-1 victory over Leeds, Nathan, and a win that we're not going to forget in a hurry. No, I don't think it... It will be forgotten in a hurry, to be honest with Tom. I think, uh, you know, I could, you can say, you know, Leeds top of the table, blah, 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 but there's a lot more to this game. You know, it's big rivalry between the two clubs. They're both massive clubs, in all fairness. I think I think the crowd showed that last night, and I have to take my hat off to both sets of fans. I thought they were brilliant last night, created a fantastic atmosphere. But, you know, Leeds United are the team who, and um, Christensen, they like to dominate possession, yeah. And uh, last night they dominated majority of possession. I think they probably had, you know, a good fifty percent, fifty five percent of it. And uh, but Cardiff were just played. They were the perfect foil. They played a perfect game. I thought before the game they should start with a you know a high tempo, high press, which is what they've done don't give Leeds a chance to settle, take into account the fact that they had played an extra game last week, although a great result up at Burnley for Leeds, but you know, take that into account, that would make people tire towards 70, 80 minutes. And I just thought Cardiff just you know, didn't, didn't give them a second to breathe. Every time you thought, oh, Leeds are going to get into some sort of pattern, there was someone there to break it up. And then you have to say the goals... I think two of the best team goals I've seen and a great individual goal. So all round, just a fantastic performance, a fantastic night. And, um, you know, often you go to a game with anticipation and excitement, looking forward to it. That's, that was my mood, you know, going into it. And uh, by the end, you know, I was just grinning like a Cheshire cat. I'll be honest with you, I just thought it was just a I special, special occasion. It was, and we said before we came on air, it was the style, Cardiff style, really suited a game like that, big mm. game, big atmosphere. And Paul, we we never surprised to see opposition teams come and dominate the ball, <coughs> but with Warnock teams, that's almost irrelevant, isn't it, the way they play in big games? Yeah, I, I and I think this game was perfectly suited for Neil Warnock. Big crowd, big rivalry, big atmosphere, under the lights on a Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. I thought that this was a classic game I was really confident of a Cardiff win because because of the Warnock factor. Thomas Christensen is clearly a top manager in the making. He's got his team playing easy on the, easy on the eye. But what does he know about a championship game in Cardiff of this magnitude on a Tuesday night 
in late September. You mm. know, it's a new experience for him, whereas Warnock has been there, seen it, done it. Mm. He had his team really up for it. Leeds may or may not have been easy on the eye, but this is, this was as easy on the eye as I've seen from the Cardiff team for quite some time. The goals, as Blakey said, were sublime. Mm. Um, we've spoken many times on this podcast about Kenneth Sahora's individual brilliance at scoring goals. He actually had two tap-ins yesterday. Absolutely. Blake, haven't we said all along, if he can couple his wonder goals, solo wonder goals, with tap-ins, you've got a 20-25 goal striker there. Mm-hmm. Um, Blakey has always batted Hoylet's corner on this show. I've been more reticent. Mm. Um, as he was, I was, he with was absolutely phenomenal though, wasn't as, he? As I was with Kadeem Harris, but crikey, Hoylet just looked the class out that Nathan says he is last night, uh, on Tuesday night. Really, really top drawer in terms of creativity. And the way he... I didn't realise this at the time, but looking it back, you know, he plays two one-twos and then plays the ball into Morrison for the mm. third goal. Mm. It was akin to a really famous Brian Flynn goal at the old Ninian Park where he played those one-twos and scored mm. against Scotland. Mm, yeah. I was thinking there was a messy goal against Arsenal where he played a few one-twos around the box and yeah. then slotted it home. Yeah. It was almost like that. And Hoylet's strike for the second goal, Nathan. Mm. But just, you know, it, it, it's, it's what you call when you see a team and a player and players all 10 out for your players. Um, deep concentration, that is, that goal. Yeah? So you're already thinking one step ahead because the ball... Broke to him more than anything else. It was a bit scruffy. It was a Leeds head on a goal kick, I think, wasn't it? It was, yeah. yeah. Broke to him, and in one motion, he turns, takes a touch out of his feet, and then just puts his weight across it. I'd love to see a photo of it, because I think he probably, in the end, had two feet off the ground. He's pinged it, laces, just off the outside of his laces, so it just fades towards the end. You know, keepers dive into his left, doesn't get there, and there's, there's, there's too much pace on the ball. I just thought it was just uh, the sign of a player who's not just in form, he's in confident form and he, he's, he's expecting to score. He's not hoping to score. He hit it like he was expecting it. Like in training, you probably hit that shot 20 times and you'll hit the target probably 18 times and you'll score probably 10 times. But in a match situation, under the pressure, the atmosphere, you know, the tempo... It's a different kettle of fish. It's easier to slice them or to drag them. But he was on point last night. And, and the point I'd make about Hoyler, I suppose, the, the final point on him is is that because of Mendes Lang's startling emergence as a Cardiff City stroke championship player mm. and his goals in the opening games, I think Hoyler's performances rather went under the radar yeah. a little bit in comparison. Well, he was um, fantastic against Villa as well, wasn't he, in that but, game? But suddenly, you know, we know that Warnock's teams will bite and snarl and, and be defensively resilient and, and superb defensively, in fact, at mm. times. We know they'll work as hard as any team in the division. We know they'll go to the 94th minute and beyond. But when you've actually got the pace and purpose and direct running of Zahor, Hoyler and Mendes Lang further forward... You, you've you've got one potent combination there, I think. And they're both you know? very skillful out wide. Yeah. That's why I love them. You know, Mendes, Lang and Hoylet, you know, the step overs, the little turns when you think they're in tight spaces and they're not going to get away from people. You know, there's an occasion where Mendes, Lang in the second half 
He was on the left hand side of the box. He's driven into the box with a couple of step overs, and you're expecting him to cross with the left foot, and the defender's expecting him to take it with his left foot. But his feet are so quick, he actually gets there with his right foot and takes it across the defender, where the defender has two choices either foul him or leave him alone. And he chose to leave him alone. Didn't result in the goal, but it was just, you know, everything they touched almost turned the goal but, last night. But the sending off, the sending off, I don't think Mendes Lang had any right to get to that ball. No. Right? He showed incredible speed. Well, he changed down two gears, didn't he? he knew, I think he thought if it was someone else, and these are the decisions that come in a split second, a microsecond. I think he's probably started to go for the ball, realised who it is, and thought, if I get there before him, he can only take me out. Because he's committed. You could see he was committed. And he dropped the gear, seemed to drop another gear. And, yeah, he got there a good yard or two before the... Uh, I the think Cooper United could have Cooper. potentially been sent off for his first tackle. I think he like, could have been, It was yeah. a, a, a scissor tackle, wasn't it? Yeah. Did... Um, a lot of people saying Cooper was stupid to make that challenge, but you're making the argument it was Mendes Lang who was clever. I, I, I've been in that situation where you know I've got pace on this lad, a, you know, a great deal of pace on this lad. He's a centre-back at the end of the day. And you know he was coming no matter what. And you see straight after his reaction, his head was on the floor and he's thinking... No arguments with well, well, Yeah, because he'd already made his mind up. He still had 10 yards to pull out, 15 yards to pull out. But he thought, no, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna get there, and uh, just wasn't aware that Mendes Lang had, you know, a change of gear like that in him. I, I don't think it's fantastic to see two players. I think Mendes Lang and Hoyle, who can go both go either way, like you say, Nathan. Both mm. seem to be fairly two-footed as well yeah. in the championship. That's quite a rarity. Yeah. But um, you're saying that um, Hoyle expecting to score almost mm. when he faced the goal there. What about our friend Kenneth Zahor? Was he expecting to score? Was it a case of him getting back in those? goal-scoring positions I to get those tap-ins. Ma- it was a matter of time. And, you know, they, they, you, you say they are tap-ins. And from the naked eye, they are tap-ins. But the first one, it's, well, it's, you've got to get it's to still score, a difficult yeah. chance. You know what I mean? It's still, you've got to get it on target and you have to get it past the keeper with pace. The second one is on the literally a yard off, so it is a case of just sliding in. But the first one's a really tidy finish, you know? But I was expecting him to score. I did think it was a matter of time. Um, I have said I, I think he's come in for some unfair criticism because you're not going to score all the time. What you have to look at when you're not scoring, well, is his performance level a 2 out of 10 or an 8 out of 10? I'd say last year's performance level has been probably the lowest I've seen is 6.5, 7 for one game maybe. The rest has been 7 to 8 out of 10. His assists, he's got 3 or 4 assists this season. You know, uh, He scored on the opening day and... That's what gives you confidence is knowing that your manager is still saying, well, your first name on the team sheet, son, you're just going through a, a dry patch at the moment. But I know you'll come back and score goals. You don't drop players like that. I know there's fans who some fans are calling for, oh, well, he's not this, and he's not that, and he's not doing this, not doing that. Listen, you're not watching the game properly if you think he, he wasn't performing. He was still patience, performing. Right, he's still performing. The goals are going to come. And I was pleased that he got in the end of two... We say tap-ins, but they were great movement. The, the goal, the movement before the goals, the passing accuracy and the pattern. I thought, like the first goal, Demore, and uh, not a lot of people picked it up. They didn't pick it up in the commentary, but the Demore with the reverse pass, superb pass. It yeah. was just fantastic. It was. What about um, moving to midfield? Then Paul Demore and Bryson in there. A big shock when the team sheets were handed out before kick-off with Gunnarsson and Rouse 
neither of whom in the squad. Mm. I know you're desperate, Paul, to talk to me about why Joe Rao shouldn't be in the side. No, no, no I'm not. <laughs> if Joe's listening to this, that is not the case yeah, at all. Yeah, it's just the case that you love him. <laughs> you, <laughs> you can't see you rainbow with him. What about Bryson, though? Had a fantastic game, I thought, and Damore too. Impressed with those two? Yeah, I mean, look, look when Gunnarsson, obviously the, the one I was most impressed with was Sol Vamba. I thought it was an absolute colossus. Colossus, and and he looked like Beckenbauer on the ball as well at times last night. And with Manga behind him, also giving me a heart attack at times with his composure on the ball, but invariably dribbling out with it. Nice cool. It added, nice a, cool. It, it added a whole new dimension. I think I think that the team looked fresher last night, mm. which is clearly as a result of the changes, enforced or not. Mm. Um, Gunnarsson does have to come straight back in the team when he's fit. No question that Gunnison comes in, however well Bamba played. I think these are the dilemmas that Warnock's got to deal with. One thing Nathan sometimes said is is having a proper sitting, as he calls it, number six. Yeah. In which you can then free Gunnison up in the number eight box to box role. Mm. Is Bamba the perfect man for that? Well, I would, I would, I would say that if if you gave me the choice between. Uh, Bamba and Gunnison to sit as a number six I'd obviously go with Gunnison it's his natural position however I do feel um, that was the best attacking performance I've seen from Cardiff this season last night and it just so happened that Bamba is sitting and ahead of him you've got Bryson and Damore and I thought those two and what what it done I would actually look at that system not the individuals the system to play at home because instead of us playing with Gunnison and Raul sort of as a sitting midfielder and Bryson ahead of him, they played with Bryson and Damore ahead and Bamba just sat. And as Paul said, Bamba, listen, there's things happening in that game in the, f- in the first and second half with Hernandez. You had to be watching them two rather than the game. Whenever Hernandez, whenever they, Cardiff would clear the ball and come up, Bamba wouldn't just run out. He'd always be aware where was Hernandez because he's the tricky little one and likes to find pockets. He would either pick him up, be five yards from him, or he would say to Morrison at times, I've seen him about five or six occasions, say to Morrison, right, I'm now too far ahead to be worrying about him. You pick him up. Because you're only ever, they were only ever 2v1. They were always 2v1 with Roof up front on his own. Yeah. So that is... Whereas at Sheffield Wednesday, we spoke about how many problems the rotation and different players in midfield caused, caused them. They seemed to solve it last night. They didn't seem to have a problem at all. So for me, I, would, I wouldn't say... <clears throat> I wouldn't play Bamba in that midfield six all the time. But what I would say is it, it, it didn't just give Neil Warnock a slight dilemma. I think that's a major headache. I don't know whether Bamba could do that week in, week out. Right? That's the question, isn't it? That would be the question for me. And yeah. I think Gunnison, you would get a better average for Gunnison and a better average for Bamba in the back four. But then you say, well, Bruno Manga into the back four, as cool and calm as collected as he is, alongside Morrison and his pace and his aerial prowess, with Bamba in front, there you've got a little triangle which is going to be really hard to beat with then... Peltier on the right, who loves to sit. Bennett on the left, who can get forward and sit. I just think, you nice know, problems. Oh, nice they're great problems to yeah. have. Great problems. It was noticeable, I think, when Bamba played in that role against Aston Villa, I think it was. 
I think it was New Year's Day or maybe the 2nd of January and he sat on Jack Grealish that's right and, yeah. it, and it was just a case of him being the spoiler yeah. but I actually think Paul that he offered a bit more last night than he, that he did but 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 make no mistake his first role was as a destroyer as yeah. a sweeper yeah. up in front of the back four and, and I did notice it Nath I did notice that Hernandez who clearly is their main playmaker mm. for, for some reason they didn't pick size I can't get my head around that mm. Hernandez is their main ball player and um, Bamba I want almost roughed him up yeah, a couple yeah. of times early on and I'm not saying Hernandez didn't want to know after that but mm. he went very quiet after mm. that mm. and you know you know can't you know when you've got a big bloke like Bamba clattering mm. into you winning mm. the ball every time even when Hernandez looked as if he was going to get away a big leg exactly. stretched out but that's Bamba ball, isn't it right you know um, and, and by doing that Bamba almost liberated Bryson and Demore to go forward and support the front three more, which is why it was a far more cohesive attacking performance. Mm. I thought um, it's interesting to see how now he knits, because no matter what you say, Paul Rouse will come back into the mix. Gunnarsson will come back to, into the mix. How Warnock knits it together now, if it's, if it's a combo of three players in there. Listen, I still think Tomlin needs to be fitted into that mix as well. Let's not. Let's well, not forget, he's not in the plans at the moment. Not, let's not forget Lee Tomlin and, and the it's way a long season. the way Lee Tomlin helped mm-hmm. turn the game against Sheffield Wednesday when yeah. he came on. You know, um, he, you know, Warnock's preferred mode of operandi, if you like, is clearly three hard-working midfielders. Mm. So it's a mix of Gunnarsson, Rawls, Bryson, Demore, and occasionally Bam, I suppose. But Blakey's right. There is a huge dilemma here because mm. he can only pick 11 players. Mm. One of those is a goalkeeper. He can only pick 10. How does he fit Manga, Morrison, who's his captain, Bamba, Gunnarsson, and the others all into one team? Mm. Have you just given the answer there, Blakey? It's a long season. Listen, yeah, fit them in yeah, every time. I mean... Well, yeah, but they it, want to play the big games. Though, yeah, they, they, the they all want to play. Want to but play that's the beauty big. of it, Paul. You know... <laughs> Last night, if you were coming on last night on 60, 70 minutes, you would have been itching to get on and get involved. You would have been sat there moping, thinking, I wish I was playing. Yeah, you wish you was playing, but the atmosphere and everything, you just get carried along with it, you know? And everybody knows, like you say, you can only put 11 men. So at some point, certain people are going to come out, uh, others are going to be rested. And he's done it all season, to be fair. He hasn't played right a settled 11 all season well, what well, he's done is utilise squad all season so. he, asked, he asked to a degree but I think he accepted didn't he that he made uh, in inverted commas an error of judgement with the Preston team where he stuck yeah. by a side that got a good result at Fulham yeah and you know they, they beat Sunderland mm. you know that was a decent result up there that Mess, was a difficult a lot of those Sunderland mm. Because um, Cardiff were in great confident mood, yeah. they didn't go up there in confident mood. No, but I think that he he now on the on the back of what we saw with Preston, he is liable to change a winning team. Mm. He is liable to freshen it. Oh up. yeah, I think and we so. saw what the fresh legs and the energy that these the midfielders brought into the side, mm. uh, and Hoyle as well. Obviously, he was left out at Sunderland. It mm. just it just looked different. It just, you know, so I think he'd be more mindful to make those changes. He does have the options now, mm. and it's a it's a major dilemma because Manga's got to play in that team. Mm. But I think if you were going to look at his in inverted commas for his first choice eleven, it probably doesn't have Manga in there. Mm. You know, well, he's got to solve the problems, doesn't he? But Nathan made the, the really good point there on on atmosphere. 27,000 plus mm. inside Cardiff City Stadium and um, let's break off for a second and talk to our um, Bluebirds fan columnist who is Scott Johnson who was at the game last night and chat to him about how it felt to be a fan at the ground 
Um, thanks for joining us, Scott. Um, 27,000 plus inside the ground last night. One of the best atmospheres of recent years. Um, is that how you saw it? Yeah, it was great. I mean, it's um, it's always there's always a little bit of needle when it's Leeds. It kind of feels like a local derby. Um, and um, I, I just Cardiff were really impressive. They rose to the occasion and made it look quite easy in the end, um, which they're making a bit of a habit of, really. Uh, they just they just look really impressive at the moment. Was it was it that sort of atmosphere? We've discussed it just now on the podcast that that Warnock's teams tend to thrive under, and, and the style of football Cardiff are playing right now, it just seems to fit together, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. I think I think the the one feeds into the other, really. Um, you know, Warnock has got this kind of desire and he's not going to let this team um, get away with anything and you know it feeds into the crowd and the crowd feeds back into it so everybody was really up for it last night but despite that it wasn't a kind of blood and guts performance it was just very professional they went about their business and you know they just looked the real deal this year Scott can you explain why given the the two cities are 200 odd miles apart why is there such a rivalry between Leeds and Cardiff fans I'm not sure it's, it's quite hard to explain I guess um, I don't know if it kind of goes back to the FA Cup game uh, which was you know really edgy sort of night um, but it, it, I think they're similar clubs with similar sort of approaches and attitudes and you know they, they always really get stuck into each other you know they're usually quite frustrating games there wasn't much frustrating about last night. Cardiff kind of led from the front. Yeah, it was a lot they looked quite open, comfortable. Uh, I, yeah, and then I, they just they just kind of um, you know they they kind of eased through. Really, it felt like they never really got out of third gear all night. It was quite straightforward in the end. Yeah, I've played for both clubs, and I can tell you their fans are very very similar. You know, they are very tribal. And they like football very similar. Um, this is probably the first time in. Well, since I can remember, where you've got a lead side who like to dominate possession. Even in McAllister's days, they played forward very, very quickly, you know, off front players and, and, and got it wide. And, you know, this is this this team is the first time I've seen teams where they're patient and keep possession. And the Leeds fans seem to accept it. But They were loud know, as well, the Leeds fans. Yeah, they? yeah. Their fans and Cardiff fans, I'm telling you, they're very, very similar in, in, in their mind frame. And what they like to see in football. I know there were chance, obviously, a bit of needle between the two sets of fans last night, Scott, but the Leeds fans did sort of play their part in the atmosphere, didn't they? Yeah, absolutely, they always do. Um, you know what you're going to expect from Leeds when they come down. Like I said, it's usually one of those games where everybody's kind of getting stuck in and, you know, the, the crowd get going and it kind of adds to the sort of atmosphere, but it was a bit of a scrappy sort of non-entity of a game for about half an hour and then when Cardiff scored it was like the first piece of quality in the whole game and it just seemed to settle them down and they just went about their business you know Sol Bamba kind of sat on Hernandez all night kept him quiet and everybody it just it just went according to plan yeah it was hugely enjoyable Scott and um, just before we let you go Scott we we tend to do predictions for the next game on the podcast uh, at the end, at the end of every show, can we just get your take on on what might happen against Derby on Saturday? Well, I think Derby are a lot better than their position in the table. I think it's going to be a really tough game, um, but it, it, it's a strange feeling at the moment. It, every time Cardiff play, I'm kind of expecting them to win. 
They just they look like <laughs> yeah. we feel they that can beat well. you in any. I know they they look like they can beat you in any number of ways. You know they can, you know they can they can duke it out with you. That you know they'll they'll go toe to toe. They can do you know they they kind of they just got that look about them this season. It looks totally different to last season. Um, so I mean, I, I kind of feel confident they're going to win again on Saturday, and um, you know I, I I think I think they're going to go up this year. I really do. They've just got that look about them. Mm. Bold stuff from Scott. Um, thanks for joining us, Scott. Absolutely yeah, brilliant, mate, and hope you enjoy the game on Saturday. Cheers, Scott. No problem. That's it. Cheers, Scott. You're listening to Blakey's Boot Room from Wales Online. Right, for the rest of part two, uh, gents, I want to answer the question which we have been putting off week after week because it always feels too soon and it probably feels too soon now to answer. <coughs> but uh, after Paul wrote a really good piece on Wednesday morning about the question of promotion contenders, is it time for, for Cardiff to start dreaming, Nathan? Um, I don't dream, Dom. <laughs> I'm a realist. <laughs> Not even eat late at night or eat no, some cheese. If, no, I don't eat cheese, mate. <laughs> uh, and if uh, if you you know, I say after nine, after ten, fifteen games, you tend to get a sort of pattern of how the league is going to develop. Now, what I've said in the past is with previous managers, Cardiff were more than capable of going on loss, loss, draw, loss, loss, draw kind of run. I don't think that's possible with this manager. And look, anything's possible. But I think, you know, the fans will understand what I mean. I can't see him, you know, off the back of the pressing defeat, who quickly got back on with the Fulham and, you know, Sheffield Wednesday, and you thought to yourself, oh, okay, you know, is that going to work? Are they going to. Well, Three the, games of that win, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, and then. Right now, so you've not gone on a period of, you know, say, three defeats, two draws, or something like that. And I, I just, I can't see that happening. I've said it, you know, since the start of the season. I just don't think that'll happen under this manager. They'll always pick up points, and they've got, they got so many, so much variety in the way they play. The way they played last night was subliminal, really. You know, and a lot of, you know, counter attacking, and then quick passing and interchanging and movement and what have you. But they also play like from back to front very quickly. And they don't play a long ball, so to speak. What you find is Kenneth Zahor is often taking the ball on his chest or in his midriff. It's because they play a long pass up to him. Because he's able to bully two defenders, you feel confident in it. So you're able to release a lot quicker and sooner. You don't have to play a ball in the midfield and worry about getting intercepted or closed down. You can play over the top of midfield into the striker. You've got confidence. We'll hold it up for you or turn his man and, and stretch the team for you. You know, that's the sort of thing so all gives you. So You think the Cardiff style is a promotion-winning <coughs> style in itself? It, 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 you know, it, along a piece of string, you know. It, it isn't, there's no one speci- specific style that wins it. I know what you're saying. The only reason why What I say we've that. got into now is... A lot of people off the Barcelona team of eight years ago, a lot of people are coaching that way. But I'm telling you, a lot of coaches, and I'm talking Premier League, Championship, League One, a lot of managers stroke coaches who are playing that style don't actually know how to play it fully. Because it's not just about going forward. It's what you do when you haven't got the ball. 
yeah, and what Cardiff done last night, if you watch them, in in comparison to Sheffield Wednesday, they just sat in a very comfortable formation. A lot of talking, a lot of organising, you know, didn't let runners get away from them, didn't let people get behind them. And yes, Leeds are going to create chances, you're not going to stop that, but they looked solid, they looked like they understood what they were doing and they carried out, like, I think it was just, it was almost a perfect performance. The only thing that let it down for me was the goal. Well, yeah, this, a disappointing moment, but... They look, like, a, they look like a promotion team at, at this moment in time. They you, do. I think even the goals I can see at times have had a, a bit of misfortune about yeah. I didn't think a mistake or two by Etheridge and a deflection against Leeds. Yeah. Um, the only reason why I say is it promotion winning style, Paul, is two of the most successful teams last season in the Championship were Huddersfield and Fulham, who I think played the, the, the most eye-catching football and obviously got in towards the promotion mix as well. What, what? Is that why people are doubting Cardiff, do you think? No, Fulham didn't go up anyway. Um, well, into the playoffs. And yeah, um, I think Huddersfield were more more like t- Cardiff in terms of the tem- between. Tem- tempo yeah, that were. they played at under yeah. Wagner. Yeah? Uh, what I'd say about Cardiff is that we know that they're defensively resilient under Warnock. As I said, we know they're going to work hard. They are clearly a threat at set pieces, but what they've now proven is that they can score from open play as well. Yeah. And they can score from open play with moments of Mendes Land brilliance, which we saw earlier in the season, or they can score with creativity, which we saw against Leeds, uh, passing ability, I mean, and getting in behind that way. Um, that's a potent mix. I actually think, you know, I, I remember looking at the bookmakers' odds at the start of the season. Cardiff were way, way, way down. There's something like. 15, 15, yeah. We all like dismissed that. them, really. Dismissed, right? Which I found ridiculous, to, considering that the team improved so much under Warnock last season. Yeah. I thought, well, hang on a minute. If they finished 10th last season from being rock bottom, what are they mm. going to do with similar improvement this year? Um, I, I think that Cardiff... Uh, I've said, I remember saying at the start of the season, there's a saying about momentum being a big thing in football. It's more important for Cardiff than any other team in the Football League, I would argue, because of where they have come from. Once you get the momentum built, the fans flock back as we saw as we saw on Tuesday night. Um, it becomes chicken and the egg. One one feeds off the other. The team feed off the crowd. The crowd feed off the team. I I think that they're seriously in the mix. What what, um, what don't they have at the moment? Do you think what 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 could I they think, maybe improve on? I think that they. I I still not convinced by the goalkeeper. Maybe unfair there. I'm just not because I compare Cardiff <coughs> to David Marshall. I think we saw against Sheffield Wednesday until Tomlin came on. They were lacking a bit of a cutting edge in the final third of the field. Strength in depth seems to be there now. They, they seem to have options off the bench. Though yeah, I, I agree. I, I'm yet to I, I, I think they. I think. I think. Like, you can see by Paul. He's searching. He's actually searching for things, or he's thinking. I don't really know. Because, yeah, because we, we, I mean, I think we're all in agreement. We'd all like a big, strong, you know, commanding keeper. But yeah. they're hard to come by. So you could say maybe keeper, you you know, here there. But then you think in, right, Sheffield Wednesday, as Paul mentioned. Well, they were just at sixes and sevens, Cardiff. Where it was the system that done them. It wasn't the individual brilliance of players. It was the, the system and how those players have been carrying out so long and they play it to a T. Your, your opponents are allowed to play well, aren't they? They're allowed to Absolutely, to play but, what, but what the difference in the two performances is, you didn't see Cardiff pulled out the shape. You didn't see um, 
Peltier running around here, there. You didn't see um, Bryson, who was incredibly frustrated against Sheffield Wednesday. He was, he was, he was on top of his man, even from the wrong side. Often, you know, Bamba, bang, straight into tackles. They, I just thought to a man yesterday. Well, I can't speak highly enough of them. I thought the performance was just magnificent, and what it. What it does, don't mourn anything. You can't win the league now and you can't lose it, right? All you're looking to do right now is strike a psychological blow to the team you're playing and to the rest of the boys in the league. And I guarantee you, there have been people at home saying, oh, Leeds win down there. Oh, not Cardiff will win. Oh, draw. Oh, and then it'd be other teams at top thinking, oh, we could do in the draw. Sheffield United, I guarantee. Oh, I hope we draw. Wolves, I hope they draw. When you go and smack your opponent who sat on top of the table like that, because it wasn't a lucky 3-1, three, three it wasn't, ooh, you know, well, if they didn't have 10 men sent off, they could have had 12 men. Last night, we just, <laughs> we just, we just run all over them yeah. in every aspect of the game. We bully them, we were too aggressive for them, we're better at set pieces than them, we set in a better shape than them, we attack quicker than them, we close down better than them. So there wasn't an element of the game that we lost last night, and hence the performance, why I'm raving about the performance. It, it, it was just, like I say, it was a sublime performance from Cardiff. So, so what I would say is if, if they are, in inverse commas, potentially lacking something, I might argue that against the better teams, they might be able to lack midfield control, but I'm, I'm not saying that's right. I'm searching for that. Um, <coughs> But what I would say, another thing they've really got going for them is I, I personally think at this stage, and I appreciate it's really early doors, I think the three teams that, if I was to put money on it now, that will challenge for the top two positions will be Cardiff, Wolves and Aston Villa. I still think Aston Villa will come good and Aston Villa may well win the league. Um, Sheffield United host Wolves at Bramall Lane on Wednesday night. If they get into 2018 in the top three, I think they will have home fortresses at Cardiff City Stadium, Villa Park and Molyneux. And you say, well, all teams should have that. But I don't think Craven Cottage or Deepdale can be as much of a fortress as those venues if, if, if the teams are going well. So I think it's more a question of what they've got going for them, what they continue to have going for them, rather than what they... What they haven't, I suppose. Right. Another thing they haven't got going, and I'm searching for this, are the big money signings at some of the other teams like Villa and Wolves and well, Derby. Or not will tell you that you but don't need that. Again, yeah. I'm not saying that's a disadvantage. Mm. I'm just saying I'm probably searching for something there, Nathan, again. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Yeah, because um, you know, Mendes Lang is not a big money signing, but I don't think there's a manager in the league who would take another winger instead of him right now. He's probably worth £10 million now after getting signing from a free. No. Simple as that. Yeah, but that—that's—that's that's the Warnock magic. That's and not just that; that it, it shows how uh, uh, players can fit into a team and a system under a manager, and just play to their potential. But as things stand, as we speak, in the top seven, you have Cardiff. You obviously have Wolves in there. I think Cardiff are more likely to stay there than Leeds, Bristol City, Ipswich. Preston, or Sheffield United or Ipswich. Mm-hmm. I think they're far more likely to stay there. I think those five are punching above their weight at the moment. I think, as as we wrote uh, this morning, though, in that in that article, there are a few teams sitting in the mid-table area at the moment. I think Cardiff got one of the best squads as well. Better, better than the money spent as one well. Of, one of the best squads. Yeah. I say they got. If I was looking at the squads for that league, I think Cardiff is in the top five. 
But I also come back to another thing Cardiff have really got going for them, which is the manager. And I think Aston Villa have got this as well. I know Steve Bruce has been under a lot of pressure, but Steve Bruce has, knows what this division is about and he's won promotion in this division. Walnut does the same. I think that was an eye-opener for Christiansen on, on Tuesday night. I really Absolutely. do. Right? But that's what the championship is about. It's about Tuesday night, winning Tuesday night matches, following it up with a Saturday win. It's what it's all, you know, it's the relentless, it's a grind. And, and I'm not sure that some of the foreign managers fully grasp what it, what it's about. Well, the there are no doubt some good managers in there. Christians is no doubt a good manager. Absolutely. Nuno's a good manager, but like you say, have they got the, the wherewithal, the experience? Yeah. I, was speaking to, I was speaking to Noel Whelan uh, at, before the game. Uh, it was good to see him. And uh, we were like discussing. You mentioned the podcast. Or? Pros and cons. I, 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 uh, I, I didn't. Mate. It's I, just I, assume he listens. Yeah, it? yeah. Well, you probably it'll probably find him one way or another. <laughs> but um, he was saying like, what's, what Cardiff got? What have they got, Nate? And I said they're just powerful, mate. I said on top of that, I said the front three, they've got a bit of everything. They've got a bit of pace. They've got a bit of power, skill. I said, and I said, above all, these they can mix it like, you know, they can mix it with anybody. Yeah. And I said about your boys, and he said, yeah, largely the same. Got a bit of pace, got a bit of power. But he said, but you know, yeah, they did get bullied a bit at, at Millwall. He said, which surprised me, but I don't think I'll happen again. It won't happen to Cardiff, will it? They won't get. I said, well, you know, they're speaking at half time. I, I walked past him after time. He was like, he was like mesmerized. He couldn't believe what happened because the game was it, it, it was a very good game for 15, 20 minutes. I thought it was very end to end. Then it was, it was tight, like, wasn't it? well, it was two top. It was like two fighters, two world title fighters going, you know, to kind of continue Sparring. being undisputed sort of thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you know they really went at each other. And then when, once the first goal went in, and I think the manner of the first goal. It wasn't like a knockdown in a box, a scrappy, this, that, and the other, and it ended up in the back of the net. It was a bit of bit of play. I mean, the the uh, Moore's robbed the lad. He, he might have slipped on the touchline. Robbed the lad, come inside with the ball. And like I said, that reverse pass and the run from Hoyland and then to pick out Kenneth, great finish, left foot. You know, that just... And set. the difference that made to the atmosphere as well. Everyone yeah, set the precedent for the rest of the game, really and truly, and that was it. Yeah, everyone went. Right, we're going to have a quick Ask Blakey in this section before going into our final part this week. Um, we've, we've, we've covered centre midfield as, a, as an issue. Harry Harpin points out that Bryson won't be available to play his Against Derby, parent yeah. club Derby. Yeah. There's still a question mark hanging over both Gunnison and Rowles. Mm. Does this turn into another day for Bamba or another... Dilemma for Warnock. Um, it's 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 difficult to say, really. Um, I don't think it's a I don't think it's a dilemma. You know, I think um, I think you've got other players uh, almost been forgotten about. Um, Tomlin being being top of that list, perhaps. You know, he, he, he can come in. You know, you just you just slightly alter personnel and what have you. Um, what's his name from Rotherham? I forget his name now. The holding midfielder, the holding midfielder, oh, Halford. Halford could come in, you know, and do a job. Mm. You know, um, there are players who are not even on the bench who could get drafted in uh, and do a job. You know, that's that's the beauty of it. Cardiff have got depth. 
for mean, the first time in a long time. Pilkington hit, hit a hat-trick for the under-23s on uh, Monday as well. You know, it was mentioned to me last night. And, yeah, players... He, he's, he's kind of the player I was thinking about when I say players from outside the squad can come in. Yeah. You know, because he hasn't really featured or anything this season. But he's a good pro, you know, he's a, and he's a good player, very good player. So, why not? Um, I've got a question for Blakey. I'm going to um, invoke head of sport privileges here by by just getting in quickly ahead of some of the fans. Uh, as that's well. fine. That's fine. Um, everyone raves about Neil Warnock. Me more than most mm-hmm. in print, online, on this podcast. Mm-hmm. But I want to ask you about your old mate Ronnie Jepson and Kevin Blackwell and the mm. influence you think they might be having on the team as well because I didn't notice it but somebody who was at the game was telling me they're really barking instructions on the sidelines as much as the manager always and you know Ronnie's the type of person Ronnie's a lovely guy right but you know he's a big beast he's old school he, you know he'll bite your head off if, if, if you don't work hard and, and, and continue you know I watched you know, I watched little things. Like I watched last night the boys, because I, I stood and applauded them off the pitch because I thought they deserved it. And I watched Juno Hoylet do an interview um, with Bamba and then he was one of the last walking off. And I wait, I watched Ronnie Jepson actually wait for him to congratulate him on his performance. You know, now those may be overlooked by most people, but they say a lot about the unity and the respect from inside. So no matter how... If Ronnie tells Junior, you need to pull your finger out, and Julian knows I need to pull my finger out because I'm not playing well. Why? Because when I'm on fire, Ronnie's there to congratulate me, shake my hand, give me a hug, and tell me how great I've done. So it's not it, it it's it's truth in the performance and in attitude and the approach. You know, everyone knows where they stand with someone like Ronnie Jepson. Kevin Blackwell, very much the same. I worked with Kevin for Leeds, actually, signed me for Leeds. And great understanding of the game you know uh, positional you know he can identify things and what have you I just think the the, the trio they, they, they've they all got a bit of spite yeah you might say a lot of spite at times but they all understand the game they all have great experience and great knowledge and above all they're respected by the team you know the team does no longer run the dressing room just remember that team no longer runs the dressing room and now you've got a successful team it's crucial those backroom guys have been absolutely absolutely crucial and I think Warnock knows that as well and um, that's enough for what is an extended part two to, for today's podcast into part three Derby predictions subscribe to the boot room on iTunes or listen on walesonline.co.uk Nathan, you were quick to point out to me on Tuesday night <laughs> your correct prediction for the Sunderland game. Oh, you're missing a word. Again. Again, sorry. <laughs> it's lucky we don't keep scores. Huh? I would have took your money by now. It's lucky for Paul Abandonato we don't keep scores uh, either. But this is another game. We said in the office, Paul, didn't we? We're really not sure how this one's going to go. I genuinely haven't got a clue. It could I, be a I flat am, one. I am. I was really confident of a win at Sunderland. I was really confident of a win on Tuesday night. 
I can't say I have that confidence this this Saturday. Mm. Is uh, it after although, the Lord Mayor's show? Uh, that's my concern. But you know, then what I'm encouraged by is Blakey saying, "Yeah, that's happened with Cardiff teams in the past," and I'm stunned by that. That this manager it changes under him. Having said that, asking for three wins in a week and three big wins against three big clubs: Sunderland, Leeds, Derby. Mm. Don't come much bigger than that in the Championship. Um, is it asking an awful lot? But. Scott Johnson made the, you know, made the point that Cardiff, Cardiff, um, you just expect them to like beat everyone to win at the moment, mm. and, and they can win any which way they want. And you know, I, I, I find it really tough to call this game. Um, I actually thought Cardiff had a really bad record against Derby, but I'm wrong. I've researched that; it's a mixed record at best. Mm. I thought Derby always beat Cardiff; they don't at all. Mm. Um, Derby will also bring a lot of fans down. There'll probably be about two thousand Derby fans mm-hmm. down on Saturday, but another cracking atmosphere. Mm. And they've and had a really mixed start themselves. Well, they've they're had some under, big wins. He's under a bit of pressure, Gary Rowett. This has been a strange start for them. You know, it's funny he's gone from a club where he had no money to a club where he's got money, and he's probably less successful. It's strange, you know, but. I think it will be a bit of a after the Lord Mayor show. I think it will it's very difficult to go up it because will, yeah. psychologically we're all sat on the same points, but we're top and you're top. This, this is to see who's going to go on with the belt tonight. So I thought the Leeds game, I knew it was going to be a great game um, and I wasn't disappointed. Whereas I think the Derby game, I would probably go with you know my prediction what I had against Leeds. I thought it'd be very tight. I didn't think Leeds would fold as easy as they did, if I'm totally honest. Um, but I'd go, I think Derby will put up a bit more of a fight, um, you know, in you know their aggression, the way they approach the game from that side of things. And I would say Cardiff, again, they they won't be great, but they'll probably go over the line with a set-piece win or something like that, or uh, an individual goal, but I'm going to go with just the, by the one goal. Well, an old face in Joe Ledley in the in the Derby midfield. He got a first goal for the Rams on Tuesday night. Paul, is he going to be up for this one? Is he going to is he going to make an impact against his former club? Yeah, I remember he played for Crystal Palace at Cardiff and scored a goal and made a point of not celebrating in front of the family stand, which I thought was quite a nice touch given the. Celebrate empathy that Leslie has with Cardiff. Which way do you um, see this one going then? I, I'm inclined to. I was thinking I'm copying it, but I've actually written it down 1 0 set B. I think it'll be 0 0 for a long time, and maybe Morrison or Mango or Bambo pop up with a set piece goal in the closing 15 20 minutes. I'm going to say Zoho. 1 0 for both, both of you saying 1 0. I'm going to go 1 0. Okay, then I'll go 2 1. 2 1. I think it'll be nil it'll be nil a for goal a in time, it, but I'll yeah. go two one there. Uh, yeah, I, I can't decide on this one. I'm, 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 I'm <laughs> you sit on the fence for a change. I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna start calling you Tweety Pie. No, you know what? I think Derby have had some big defeats this year. I think Cardiff are on form. I'm gonna go with the form book and say three nil Cardiff. Wow. Okay. Wow. About time we start that neck out. Well, it was the, it was it was either that or hide under the table. I think so. Um, any any other business before we wrap up, chaps? No, no. I just like I said before. You know, we've been on this. We've been doing this podcast and this show for what three, four seasons now. And there's been times where fans have said, you know, 
oh, you know, we, we only focus on the negative. It's because things were so negative. You're now seeing the other side of it. You're seeing pure positivity and how excited and how positive we can get about, you know, what we see. And I just, I just say, you know, long may it continue. And to the fans, enjoy it while it lasts because you've just come off the back of four or five years of, you know, tough times. So get behind the team, get more fans into that stadium, regardless if people bring two or three thousand, get twenty seven, twenty eight thousand down there yourselves. And let the good um, times roll. And let the good times roll, yeah. Superb. Thanks both. Um just before we leave you, there's enough time to say that you can follow all the latest Cardiff City news on Wales Online. Um, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, just search Blakey's Boot Room and you can also leave us a review there, which would be great. And that's about all from all three of us and hopefully we'll be coming back at the same time next week after another Bluebirds win. Thanks all. Bluebirds.